0: Hi everybody, welcome to the Modern Maker Podcast. This is episode 5 for March 16th, 2017. My name is Mike Montgomery from Modern Builds. With me as always, Chris Salamone from Four Eyes Furniture. How's it going? And Ben Ueda from Homemade Modern. What's up, dog? (laughs) What's up, man? What's going on? (laughs) What are you working on this week?
1: I am working on the design for my tattoo. Oh, right. Uh, So a little bit different, but still is going to have a physical resultant. I've been thinking about it for quite some time, and I've wanted to have a functional tattoo that I can use as a ruler. I already kind of use my my arm and hands and fingers as a ruler. I'll be like, oh, yeah. this is like one digit from the tip of my pinky to like the first joint.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do the same thing. Uh, so on like on my hand, the distance between my middle finger and my thumb is exactly nine inches. So I do the, I do the same yeah, thing. Yeah, so I, I've been thinking about it for a while
1: <laughs> uh, and uh, sort of worked work through a few different iterations. At one point I actually commissioned a design competition on 99designs uh, uh, just to come up with some ideas, but they, they were just okay. Um, and finally sort of worked through to something where it's minimal enough that I feel comfortable having it on my arm forever, but still like has enough different measurements uh, so I just actually posted a picture of it on Instagram and, uh, uh, now, now it's just picking, uh, a tattoo artist and setting a date, hopefully sometime in the next three months or so.
2: So where are you going to put it? Like on your forearm or something?
1: W- left arm, sort of from the tip of my pinky all the way to about oh, that elbow.
0: Nice. Oh, there it is. I see it.
2: Yeah. That's cool. Okay. I see it. It's like, yeah, it's doesn't you don't just look at it and be like oh that's a ruler
0: yeah I was no joke yeah I was sitting there like in my head I was just picturing just like a giant like yardstick across your whole forearm and I, I didn't know <laughs> well, how I felt I didn't know how I felt that, about that that's
1: that's what I started with and then I was thinking well I don't need to have all the measurements but I right. wanted to make sure that I could measure any at least inch long increments from one inch to 13 but then also sort of uh, using the different line thicknesses to get things like an eighth of an inch and quarter inch and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, that's cool.
1: But now, are you
2: sure you're done growing?
1: <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I thought about it a couple years ago. And then I actually measured a distance between like one of the moles on my forearm and like my fingertip just to see if, over like a year period if it's changed. And it, it hasn't changed at all. I'm sure it'll shift about an eighth of an inch over the next 15 years, but that's fine.
2: Or you could just start your own unit of, me- or your like your own system of measurement. Just say it's like you know three eighths bends. Yeah, I mean it's not. It's
1: yeah. it will be functional, but I think a part of it's also it's like, look, I'm going to be making stuff forever, uh, or as long as I can keep moving. So uh, yeah, it, it feels it's something I feel like it, I'm totally comfortable committing to.
0: Yeah, yeah. Plus, it's just like a cool yeah. tattoo on its own.
1: It's got
2: a good story behind it.
1: So, Mike, what are you working
0: on? Uh, a couple things. I finished up the greenhouse today, which I'm really excited about. It was it was tougher than I was expecting. I kind of bit off more. Th- well, I guess I wouldn't say I bit off more than I could chew, but it was it was definitely a big bite. <laughs> <laughs> um, like I said last last week, that was kind of the first construction based or construction oriented project that I had done. So it definitely. I learned a lot doing it and I definitely kind of ran into some roadblocks that a lot of more experienced people probably wouldn't have. But like I said, it was a really cool experience, learning experience, and it came out really awesome. So I'm excited to get that video out and, you know, get see what people think. Aside from that, I'm starting up a new project and this time I'm saying I'm using leather and I'm going through with it. I'm not backing I'm not chickening out like I did last time and using vinyl. I've already gone to Tandy Leather, which <clears throat> I put on my Instagram story to today. So if you don't follow me on Instagram, modern build at modern builds, check it out. Uh that was my first time there and it was really, really cool. They had all kinds of stuff, and thank goodness they had a helpful like salesperson there because I had no idea what I was looking at. Um I didn't do a ton of research going in. I just knew I needed some relatively thick leather for what I was doing. The project is going to be a pair of wood-framed folding sling-back leather chairs. So it'll be a it'll be a wooden frame with, you know, just leather stretched seats essentially
1: wait are you gonna use the leather for an outdoor chair
0: uh sort of outdoor indoor they can you know it can kind of go both ways
1: (laughs) a porch chair
0: (laughs) yeah but i got oil tanned leather which unlike normal leather that when it it. gets wet and dries and hardens the oil tanned leather stays soft
1: yeah because what i what i found with like outdoor furniture in general is that the sun is often more damaging uv is way more damaging than just about anything else it just breaks everything down uh pretty quickly but if it's just sort of Temporarily gonna be in and out. That's that right. should probably be fine.
0: Yeah So the, uh, the whole idea is it'll be stored inside or set up inside But if it's a nice day outside or if you're going out to the lake or going to the beach something like that You can bring it with you fold it out and you got a really cool looking and hopefully comfortable chair to kind of hang out on So yeah, it should be cool. Yeah, sounds cool. Chris. What are you doing this week?
2: <clears throat> so? Okay, so I uh, just posted a new video Today or I mean, uh, sorry on Tuesday. I posted a new video um the headboard yeah so that was to kind of finish up the modular bed that i had built for my son a couple months ago Mm -hmm. so i just wanted to stick with the whole plywood modular theme um it's actually a a headboard that i had built for my wife and i probably about a year ago a lot bigger it was for a king size bed so it was in three different pieces but i just wanted to do one on video so stuck with that um i'm planning to start my next build on Friday but I'm not exactly sure what it's going to be yet so I'm just going to kind of let what plays out over the next couple days dictate that so it's either going to be the record player or the, the record cabinet I got the record player in the mail yesterday it looks awesome so really excited to to work on that one or like I was mentioning last week the uh, the desk with those guys from the tech channel yeah the, um, the divide side we they we kind of changed up the design a little bit we came up with something because they, they really want to rush it through so we'll see when I get home tonight. They were supposed to have delivered the desk to me um, so that I can – because basically what we're going to do is just mod a desk um, with like some some panels and some uh, plexiglass that will have these like lights shining through it. So it should be pretty cool. Yes, it sounds um,
0: cool what uh what happened to that one console cabinet table that was like a one leg pedestal thing
2: yeah that one's finished i finished that off earlier in the week i haven't edited the video yet so that'll probably be the next video that'll come up or the Mm -hmm. next project video um but yeah i'm trying to get a couple projects ahead i i try to at least have it where i have one project that i'm at least like close to finished by the time i post a video that way If something happens, you know, it's not going to be two months where I can't put a video out. You know, I work a lot slower than you guys do. Um, But yeah, I guess, well, that can kind of take us into our our main topic for for the day, which is strengths and weaknesses. So I know sometimes it's difficult to talk about strengths when you're talking about yourself because you don't want to sound like you're like conceited or something. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So that's why we made sure to work in the weaknesses as well. Um, (laughs) I went ahead and, and came up with, Two strengths and two weaknesses for myself.
0: Ooh, I like that. Yeah, but, yeah. Let's let's all do that. Let's all get two strengths, two weaknesses. That way, it kind of balances everything out a little bit.
2: And then maybe we can chime in on on what we think the other person's strengths are, and <laughs> yeah, kind of, and uh, make them feel better about their weaknesses. So we can really heal during this time, guys. Y-
0: yeah, let's make this a growing experience.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I don't know who wants to who wants to kick it off.
1: So I'll, I'll go first. Uh, so I think definitely strengths are. I move pretty quickly. I can think of design ideas relatively fast and then once I come up with an idea, I'm pretty decisive about going forward with it. I don't worry too much about what could go wrong. I just sort of season an idea and go forward. And I think that comes because a lot of my inspiration doesn't come from, th- from things that are amazing. I it's one of the things I love saying to students or other designers is when they're stuck I say, get inspired by what's terrible. <laughs> Cause when you, there's so often we, when we're involved in something, whether it's woodworking or making, we look up to the people that produce works that are incredible feats of genius or craftsmanship. And I often find that while the end result can be inspiring, actually thinking about how that relates to yourself can be incredibly intimidating. Uh, one of my strengths, I think, is that I am good at looking at things that are terrible and confident enough to think I can make something less terrible. <laughs> so I should totally go for it. So I tend to sort of get inspired from the, from the, from the bottom up rather than from the top down because that way I feel like at least I'm contributing something that's better than this other piece of crap that I saw rather than, oh, I'm doing a derivative knockoff of something amazing. <laughs>
2: more crappy things in the world than there are great things
1: that's exactly true right and i started thinking that way when i was doing architecture because with architecture i mean there's so many just boring suburban houses that are the same and it's actually really rare that you see an incredible feat of building design or architecture unless you live in you know like a like a major city um, so i think it's much easier to sort of look around and get inspired by what's terrible so that's that's what I think the sort of first strength is, is sort of I'm decisive, I move really quickly. And I think that comes from sort of trying to get inspired by things that are just not great. And we're surrounded by the banal and mundane and boring. So I also find that that's kind of a nice uh, 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 motivation to try to just make things that are just a little bit better, add a little bit more design and style to, to everyday life. Um, Weaknesses are that uh, they're sort of the polar opposite or the sort of yin or yang to the strengths. Uh, Because I move quick, uh, I am often sloppy. Uh, I get a lot of criticisms for using hot glue guns and sort of slapping things together and relying on sort of proportions and general design aesthetic to make, you know, relatively mediocre craftsmanship still look pretty decent. Um, That... It has never really bothered me that much because I think it's because I've always thought of myself as more of a designer and less as a maker or less as a craftsman, uh, where my identity is more in getting other people to take the same basic ideas and reiterate them and hopefully probably even with better craftsmanship. So it's a weakness that I probably haven't addressed because it doesn't really it never it never hits like a personal nerve when I when I see that in the comment sections, um, but. I think the thing to that i need to be careful with that sort of weakness is that i don't just resign myself to that because just because that's the tendency and the pattern and probably my preference it doesn't mean i should build a you know a set of boundaries that limits me from occasionally doing something that might surprise myself so for example like the the spiral staircase is a great example where It was a bigger project than what I normally do. It was a much more audacious project. It wasn't something I could just whip out really fast. Um, But the outcome was spectacular. And it wasn't just satisfying for me. It was actually a really huge boost to all the sort of business-related design things that I'm doing. Uh, So it's such a fine line. Like I don't want to beat myself up over my weaknesses because being in sort of a negative, depressed state isn't a great way to be productive. Um, but occasionally I, I feel like it is important for me to sort of reach out and try to stretch those limits. It's one of the reasons why I'm really grateful to have, uh, my sister, Jesse as like a business partner who works with me because she is much more meticulous and every once in a while she'll be like, I'll be like, can I just get away with this? And I'll be sort of talking about a shortcut that's, I think is pretty clever. <laughs> and she'll push back a little bit and say, you know, what? just, just do it the right way. Yeah. Take the time, refine it a little bit, uh, before we just put it out there. So there's it's sort of like one and a half weakness. Let me think. The, the other one I think is also that uh, uh, s- sometimes I get comfortable with the things that I'm good at and, and that keeps me from experimenting.
0: Yeah, like going and, with what you know works. Right.
1: Like- I'll, I'll, I'll rely so much on – especially now, right? Mm-hmm. I have sort of a formula that works in this current state of digital media and – uh, design where I kind of know how my channel's growing. I know that I can make pretty decent money from it and I can just keep putting out the same designs. So from a business standpoint, there's not a lot of motivation to change or take huge risks from here. Um, but I also know that for me personally, one of my strengths is that I get dissatisfied. I don't think I've ever done the same type of job for more than four or five years. I've always, like, switched something, whether it was from architecture to tech, from tech to sort of uh, content creation. Um, and I think I've been doing, you know, this kind of thing for almost, you know, about three years now. And I, I don't want to sort of give in to that weakness. So one of the things that I'm trying to do this year is make sure that I'm, I'm doing, some, doing a gallery show, I'm going to be doing probably a couple of them this year and start trying a few things like installation art that are kind of a little bit different from what I normally do to kind of stretch out and make sure I don't get too complacent.
0: Right. Okay. So kind of, I guess, going down that rabbit hole further, you say you've been doing Homemade Modern for three, four years. So how do you see that changing maybe even over the next like four or five years?
1: Um, I don't know. I, I, think, I think it's just uh, I get good at sort of identifying what's essential for what I'm doing. And that's a strength from a business standpoint. It sort of cuts out the waste and the superfluous Focuses it doubled. You know, I'm, I, I tend to sort of believe that you should double or triple down on your strengths and not try to be well-rounded. Mm. But every once in a while, you want to test the boundaries of where your strengths are because you might realize you're good at a few things you didn't know that you were. That's good. Um, yeah. And so that's why I want to reach out a little bit beyond my comfort zone with the sort of furniture and architecture and start experimenting a little bit with installation art and things like that.
0: Right on. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, I guess I'll go next. I got my two strengths and my two weaknesses. I'm going to alternate, though. I'm going to start with a weakness, go back to a strength, and back and forth. <laughs> Keep it fresh. All right. So my first weakness, and I definitely think this is my one of my biggest weaknesses, if it's not the biggest, is just time management. I do a really bad job at it, <laughs> uh, I, and I'm, I'm trying to get better at it, especially now that I'm dealing with sponsors a lot more. And I've got you know a bigger audience expecting regular content, which is a good thing. But it's just I want to, I, I just want to be better at it. It's something I'm not great at, and I'm working towards improving. I tend to procrastinate when possible, and I tend to kind of not, <laughs> not get as much done as I should on days that I could. And then when I have to get stuff done, it's like I'm pulling a, a 14 hour, 18 hour day just to get it all done so I can get stuff out on time. Um, but as I guess a strength to kind of marry that is, and I think there's a really good strength if especially like as a young maker, because a lot of a lot of especially young makers that don't tend to have like all the tools in the world or maybe the specific tool that they need to get a, a specific task done. So my strength is just kind of, I tend to be, I don't know if the right word is like clever, but relatively good at finding neat workarounds and cool, kind of clever ways to, Figure out a problem. Maybe it's something I don't have the tool for. Or maybe it's something that I don't necessarily have the right materials for. So I guess I kind of got a couple, four instances. So for one, on the walnut bookmatch slab table that I built about a year ago, something like that, I had these really big walnut slabs that I needed to bookmatch together. They were super thick. They were about three inches thick. And I had no way to cut through them. I've got a small job site saw. Not my Ryobi one. Even before that, I got that. It was a really small Craftsman one that was even, that was it was was super rickety and kind (laughs) of (laughs) scary. But I didn't. Yeah, like I said, I didn't have the something to cut through it. So a circular saw was blade isn't thick enough to go through that thick of material. So I kind of found a cool workaround where I was able to, I was able to. Cut as far through the wood as I could with a circular saw, then come back with a sawzall like a reciprocating saw and finish the cut. But then that left me with another problem where I had to book match these slabs together and I needed a good, you know, square edge so that that joint would be nice and strong. And I just didn't have I didn't have a joiner. Obviously, I still don't have a joiner, but I also didn't have a planer. So I kind of came up with a cool workaround where I belt sanded the thing about 90 percent square Then I was able to come back and make this cool little sanding jig using just some scrap plywood. If you check out the video, you'll kind of see what I did to where I was able to just like hand sand the thing and just elbow grease my way (laughs) through it and to get good, you know, 90 degree faces that I could join together. Uh, Another instance, which is pretty cool, is I built a Nelson style slatted bench a little while back. I think that's what it's called. And I had to cut these dados and one, I didn't even have a dado stack. Two... Uh, if my table saw is able to ha- have a dado stack, I don't know if it really had the capacity to do this, but I actually figured out a way to make the dados on my miter saw, which I had no idea I was even able to do. <laughs> I didn't know either. Right, yeah. <laughs> so I was able to find a, a depth stop on, the, on my sliding miter saw, which I was able to use and make these dados. I had a little stop block that kind of made them all incremental. But yeah, that was kind of one of those instances where I guess I could have done it with a circular saw, but I wouldn't have gotten as clean of dados, and I'm sure I wouldn't get would have gotten quite a bit of tear out compared to what I got. So yeah, it was kind of cool just to find an alternative alternative way of doing something. If for people that maybe like me didn't have a table saw with a dado stack. Um, so going back to going back to weaknesses is I tend to be way too overcritical about things about myself uh maybe when it's a project that doesn't go the way i necessarily want it to or you know i I make a mistake i usually don't take that as well as i should even though i mean really especially considering you know we're making a project every single week at least or not every week but every week or two and really we're prototyping mistakes should really be expected along the way
2: yeah i think that that's I think that's probably one of the main misconceptions that viewers have when they watch us is that they really do think these are like things that we've built several times and really spent several weeks or months planning everything out. And so you'll get a lot of comments where it's like, Hey, did you think about this? And it's usually like, no, I didn't.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, Right. So if, you know, if we were building things, you know, to be manufactured, of course we'd be making multiple iterations and we would be making a lot less mistakes. But while I'm, while I'm building a project, I'm already, I've already got my wheels turning thinking about the next project and that kind of not forces me, but it kind of lends itself to creating more errors. So I just need to take each mistake or each quote unquote failure with stride (laughs) and figure out what I can learn from it and try and grow from that. Um, and then my, my final strength, which I think is big. And I think something that quite a few people that I hear from, may, I don't know if they lack it or maybe they're just kind of being, you know, trying not to sound too boasty or too, too braggadocious. Um, it's just being confident and really digging what I'm making. Like I'm, I, I think what I make is really cool. Uh, For the most part, of course, (laughs) there's always going to be those failures along the way. But for (laughs) the most part, I really like what I'm building, and I think it's not the best in the world, of course, but I think it's really cool. Um, And I think that's something people lack is people maybe message me on Instagram or on YouTube and kind of show me pictures of something they built. But a lot of times at the end of the message, you know, they'll show me a picture, kind of show me, talk about what they did. But at the end of the message, they'll kind of be like this little like asterisk or like a little PS saying, like, not actually, but, you know, it's implied that kind of saying, you know, this is what I made. I think it's cool. But, you know, if you don't think it's cool, that's fine. I don't think it's that great either. Or, you know, kind of really pointing out the mistakes or, you know, what they think is a shortcoming instead of just saying, like, here's what I made. I think it's dope. Uh, what do you think about it? You know, I think it's important to think what you make is cool because it is cool. It's something you made with your own hands. It's something that whether you designed it or you're basing it off of a different design, regardless, it's, it's your piece. It's what you make. So be proud of that. Yeah. I mean, Go ahead. if
2: I, that is like, that's a really good point. I think that, um, you have to kind of be able to, when you finish up a project, be able to look at it and get that satisfaction from it. Yeah. Like, even if you're not just like crazy, like, this is so awesome, I'm the greatest designer ever, whatever, you should at least be able to look at it and and just say, like, wow, hey, look at what I accomplished. There was nothing there, and now there's something. Exactly. You should at least take pride in that, and you kind of need that to encourage yourself to want to build something else. That's kind of what I was talking about a couple videos ago where I was talking about woodworking as a hobby where it's like not fun in the traditional sense of like you know you're out there and you got a big smile on your face the whole time Right. it's really you know <laughs> it is work it's work while you're out there doing it mm-hmm. but it's that feeling of accomplishment after that's like the fun part of
1: it right no I I, I think it, emotional momentum is really important for especially for being prolific and to encourage you to make more which is how you end up learning, learning more celebrate those things it's not conceited at all to be like Oh, I really like the way this piece turned out. It looks great. I want to share it with people. No, 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 that's that's incredibly important. What that's doing is it's it's recording like a positive end which which creates a feedback loop which makes you want to get back into the shop and experiment more. The same way that when you have a uh, something that's frustrating where things just aren't quite going right and you're like redoing it. I, I had a little bit of that the other day where the first few times I was molding leather it was going really great and then the last few times I don't know what variables changed but it's just not working it out and it can be, you can lose momentum really quickly We're just like, crap, like now it's like everything's frustrating, I gotta get another one of these things, I gotta go back to Home Depot and get this piece so I can get back on track, but as much as possible, I, I think celebrating those little wins and minimizing the frustrations is a great way to keep sort of on track so that you're motivated to keep
0: producing and learning. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, for Thanks. sure. Thanks. That was that was better than I was putting it. Uh, Chris, right. let's hear yours. <laughs> so the
2: first weakness that I wrote down for myself is that I'm not actually that good of a builder. That's you know one of the compliments that I get a lot, or the comments that I get a lot on the channels. People saying like, "Oh man, I wish I knew how to build things as good as you." And I always tell them like, "I'm nothing special. I don't have any kind of special skill when it comes to working these machines, and and you know my hand eye coordination isn't any better than anybody else." It's really just kind of a matter of patience more than skill, I think. And, and even then, it's not even that I'm super patient. It's more that I've realized over time that moving slower at times actually saves you in the long run because you don't, like a good example is gl- I constantly get comments about glue. Like, what do you, you act like you have the world's last bottle of glue. <laughs> and it's like, well, I do. <laughs> I'm very cautious about the way I put glue on because it takes me 30 extra seconds to spread glue carefully, but it takes me half an hour to clean up glue. <laughs> yeah. So, but
0: but to your credit, that that did help me out a lot though. I I had, especially a little while ago, a tendency to use way more glue uh-huh. than I needed. <laughs> but I, I had one project, it was like a kind of an, it was another slotted table, but it had some glue that got on the ingrain real yeah, bad. I remember that. Yeah, exactly. And I was sitting here trying to figure out how to clean it up. And you're like, man, you just, you got to use less glue. And <laughs> yeah, I know you just kind of leveled with me a little bit. And since then I've, I've yeah. done that. I've, if I've got an inside corner that I know is going to be really hard to get to, really hard to sand and clean up, I, I really hold off on the glue as much as I can. Of course, yeah. So, of course, sometimes I go a little overboard. Sometimes.
2: I think that's the thing is kind of pick and choose your spots where you can go overboard. So like, if you know you're gluing something together and you're going to be running it over a jointer afterward, go nuts.
0: Yeah, exactly. But if it's no yeah, if it, this
2: is it, like this is the final assembly and I'm going to have to get in all these little tiny crevices to clean it, it's like okay, hold back a little bit because honestly, a little bit of glue usually goes a long way. Um, so anyway, yeah, my first weakness was basically saying that, you know, I'm not as good as sometimes people and and kind of going back to your point of, you know, in the videos, we probably come off as better than we actually are because you're just seeing little snippets and, and you're not seeing it in that full detail that you would when you're looking at something that you built where you can see every little imperfection. Like there's not one of my builds that I've made that doesn't have imperfections in it. They all have imperfections. So people should, I hope people don't think that what we're doing is perfect. I hope they realize that, you know, everybody has little errors in all of their pieces. Um, The other thing I think is a strength that I see in both of you guys that's a weakness for me. And that's that I don't feel like I have that, like, yeah, let's just do it attitude that you guys do. We're like, I really feel like I plan out a lot of the times too much when I would like to just go out there and, and just start working on something and i'm trying to kind of force myself into doing that a little bit more and i think it's one of those things that as you do it you start building confidence and then you're able to do it more and kind of like ben was saying about like that momentum that you you build up as you as you do something like that um but i it's just not my natural instinct to do that so anytime that i am doing i'm kind of going against what i naturally want to do but at the same time, I feel like it is improving my confidence and, and I am trying to do more of it. And I feel like it's something that I'll do more as time goes on.
0: Yeah. So like on that point, the bed or the headboard you just put out, Uh that one was something that was a little, that was a lot less complicated than what you normally build. Yeah. So was that something where you kind of were like, okay, I'm just gonna, I got an idea. I'm going to kind of just go build it and see how it comes out. Or was that another, did you really over plan that one almost too?
2: Uh, I still had it pretty planned out, but it, definitely less. So it was basically like, okay, I want it to be this wide, you mm-hmm. know, and I want... So so you have your basic dimensions, but then knowing, okay, going in, I don't have to worry about measuring all these little gaps and everything because what's going to go in there is a piece of plywood. So the perfect thing to use to measure your gaps is a piece of plywood. Yeah. So it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, thinking about... Kind of going back to a point I think we talked about earlier about not giving out dimensions because sometimes dimensions can actually screw you up. Mm-hmm. It's just knowing like anytime you can anytime you can measure something based off an actual physical item, do that. Yeah, so relative, I mes- project-
1: relative measurements rather than like numerical measurements. Exactly. Right. Yeah, I, I'm so a big why- fan, because like people always forget that like three quarter inch plywood isn't exactly right. three quarters of an inch thick. And they just sort of, when they go strictly numeric, when you have to sort of explain that, okay, it's this, distance plus the thickness of the plywood is more complicated and that's why I just like right. to tell people it's sort of this proportion to this proportion and then field measure from there.
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah, so I'm going to get a tattoo of a piece of plywood on my like, <laughs> forearm so that,
1: that actually cool like just it. the layers. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yep. And then uh okay, so then moving on to my strengths. So I think that as a designer and this actually kind of goes back to Ben's first point. Um I'm not great at like just getting things right the first time off the bat. You know, it takes a lot of iterations of a piece before I get it right, but I think one of my strengths is that I can quickly look at something and tell what's wrong about it. And in a way that kind of works you to that same end. So, you know, I'll make my initial drawing and I'll look at it and be like this proportion is wrong, and then I can work on that spot or work on that part of it and then move on to the next part and then, you know, by the time you've You've gotten to a point where you're looking at it and nothing's wrong anymore. Then hopefully you have the right thing. Yeah. So it's kind of like you know, process of elimination of bad things to get to that final design. So I think that's one of my strengths. And then the other thing is just being resourceful. So not even necessarily in woodworking so much, but it's getting to that point. But um, I think that I'm good at if you give me if you kind of put me in a box, I can come up with something original and something creative. I think of all the woodworking projects I have, probably the Xbox stand is the best example of that, where that, that was kind of the only time for a project that I've done where I've had very strict limitations in in what I had to achieve by the end. The rest, it's kind of, you know, do whatever you want. Yeah. Um, so that's the only time where I I think I've displayed that in one of my videos. But you know, even just before that, like, you know, if it was making music and you just have these, like, you know, I don't know, boxes and pans and you got to come up with something that sounds cool or whatever. I think I've always been kind of good at that type of thing, just working with whatever I have and and turning it into something. That's cool. But, yeah, that's, uh, that's all I wrote down for my strengths and weaknesses. <laughs> one thing I will say, though, to go back, I know, Mike, you had said one of your weaknesses was time management. Yeah. And I think that you're only 21 years old, and I, I can't speak for Ben, but for me personally, like I feel like I've gotten so much better at that stuff as I've gotten older. So I think you're probably already well ahead of the curve in Maybe. like work ethic and time management. I don't think I could have run a YouTube channel at 21.
1: Well, there's also different styles. There's different ways. I used to think that project management and time management, the correct way to do it was this very rigorous, Buy the book, you know, you have this calendar and this spreadsheet and you record your hours. And that's true when you're working where you have to interface with other people because you all need to be on the same system. Mm -hmm. But when you're sort of on your own and you're an an entrepreneur, uh, you can develop the time management system that works for you. One of the things that I do is I have a differentiated to do list because I know that sometimes I feel really creative and really energetic, and other times I just feel. Like I'm slow and stupid and have like no new ideas, but I'm still ready to be productive. So I'll have like my to-do list in two different columns. So one will be sort of creative tasks that require alertness where I'm really trying to come up with a new idea. And if I can't, it gets sort of stuck, the designer's block, if you will. Uh, Then I move right to the other column, which just says, okay, might as well go do some sanding or edit this video or things that I could pretty much do half asleep or drunk or whatever. Uh, Right. So it's like that's not the type of time management that I would ever manage employees with for my architecture firms or my other stuff. But I can now that it's me and just a few compadres in this sort of small endeavor, I can tailor it to what works well for me. Um, So, yeah. Uh, you know, it, it might not be the most orthodox way, but you seem to be pretty productive in terms of producing out content. So,
0: yeah, I guess the one of the reasons it kind of came up to me, I guess, especially was because I'm building this greenhouse, and I am kind of, I kind of do, I kind of do it like what you were talking about, where I just kind of, if I, if I'm feeling like sitting down at the computer for a few hours at a time and getting a lot of stuff done, I'll do that, or if I'm feeling like going out to the shop for a while, I'll do that, which is fine when you can be out in the shop until like two in the morning and making noise, you know, and you have lights, but I've been working on this greenhouse where I've got a window from like, you know, eight in the morning to six at night. And I keep finding myself ready to, you know, ready to go basically start building for the day at noon. And then I'm, and then when night comes around and it's dark, I'm like, crap, where did the day go? And it's normally because, you know, once it gets dark, who cares, flip the lights on and keep going. But (laughs) with this, I've, I've been finding myself like running out of time too much.
1: That's, that's really interesting, so what's, what's interesting about that is that it opens up an opportunity for, like let's say you want, people always say, oh you have this like small business, how do you scale it? If it's just you, how do you scale it? Right. For you it might be something, well, this is my sort of patterns of how I'm prolific and productive, so I need to sort of have a more flexible environment that's ready for me to build whenever. Okay. Yeah. You're right. Outdoor projects add a huge, they add that extra constraint of light right. changing or <laughs> things like that. Or when you're working in a, in a workshop where you have to be quiet at some times and, mm-hmm. uh, or you can't produce dust or stuff at certain times, those add constraints. And if you're that kind of person that doesn't like to sort of schedule in a really tight way to, to maximize those points of availability, then the way to sort of scale and improve your business is in Investing in like workshops that are really flexible to your own peculiarities, rather than necessarily trying to force yourself to be something that you're not.
2: Yeah, exactly. Or if you have a day job that gets in the way,
1: right? Well, that's why I like design, right? Like I'm I'm naturally a messy person, Uh, and in college, uh, my room was always messy. I'm, I'm clean but messy, so. And it was mostly because of my clothes would just be all in piles on the floor. There'd be sort of like clean piles of laundry and like dirty piles of laundry. And I just sort of move in between them and pick them up because it's college and like I don't care about wrinkles. So what – and like sometimes it'd be like, okay, I'm going to – I'm going to have like a New Year's resolution. I'm going to be more organized. So I'd like try to fold it and put it into the dresser. But then that would last like a week because I'd just revert back to my natural tendency. So what I did was I designed this giant uh, like – dresser where whole laundry baskets could slide into the dresser like giant drawers. So it was this big dresser with six drawers that were full-sized laundry baskets for each drawer. Oh. So I had three white ones and three black ones. The black ones were for dirty and the white ones uh, were for clean clothes. So it was still just as simple. The clothes were staying in piles but they're staying in piles now in the laundry baskets in the drawer yeah. and I was able to d- d- design a system that worked with my natural messiness Right. <laughs> and therefore become cleaner rather than trying to like, you know, have some epiphany and go see a Tony Robbins thing and then be more disciplined. And, no, I just designed a solution that worked for my sort of level you just of. You your strengths. Right.
0: right. The whole episode right there.
1: Yeah.
2: Take, yeah. Take one of your weaknesses and make it into a pile of dirty laundry. Exactly. <laughs>
0: yeah. Chris, it's, we got a hypothetical, right? We got one. Okay, All I'm right.
2: ready for it. All right, let me- let is it, it, Does it
1: involve
0: it? fighting more bears?
2: No, this time it's a crocodile. <laughs> okay. Okay,
0: great. No. Oh, I'm okay. ready for this one. Not no, no, one.
2: Um, no more fighting in this one, hopefully. Right. So here's the situation. So let's say you have one weekend to produce a piece of furniture of your choosing, whatever you want, and to give you some motivation, let's say that at the end of the weekend you're gonna show it to a, a panel of judges. They're not gonna know how you made it. All they're gonna do is they're just gonna see your piece, and, you know, if they all love it and you can impress them, they're going to give you a million bucks. So you're, you're really working your hardest to try to impress these judges. Mm-hmm. So you have two choices. You can either do everything on your own, but you can only use a drill and screws, a circular saw. I'm going to add in a speed square.
0: Do we get a pocket hole jig? No. Oh, But man. you can
2: make your own jigs. You can make <laughs> your own jigs.
0: Okay. Let's okay. say you
2: can make your own jig. So, so all drill, you have is
1: circular saw, and speed square.
2: And sanders. Okay. sanders. Yeah. That's all you have. So that's option A. Or you can have access to a dream shop. Every tool you could imagine, except for things that are automated like a CNC machine. But you can't touch any of the machinery. And you're going to be given a stranger who's of average intelligence, average skill. Who's never built anything before, though, and you have to basically talk them and walk them through everything without touching it.
0: Can we show? Can we model it? You mean like well, drawings actually, and stuff? I don't even want to say that. Uh, yeah, I guess with drawings. and yeah, stuff. Yeah, you could yeah. do that. You
2: can you can model things. You just all the only thing you can't do is you just can't touch any of the tools or touch yeah. any of the work pieces.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah. So so there's what I think would produce a better piece. So I'll go first. Okay. I think I could if I was really wanted to win the competition. I would three D model something and use my That's sort of background as a designer to to design something really cool in three D modeling software. Break it down into pieces and create IKEA like step by step instructional drawings to give to that person. Um, still, it would be about designing, not. The, Again, it would be like telling someone how to cook their first meal. I wouldn't try to give them a recipe for a souffle or something really complicated. It would be something really simple like steaks and greens and some rice or something. Um, so that's what I'd probably do if I really wanted to win the competition. But I think it would be more fun to just try to do it with the drill and the circular saw.
0: Yeah. I would, I would have to go with the drill and circular saw just because I don't, I can't model it like I don't know how. Um, but if I did, but then again, all the modeling and drawing has to be done within that weekend as well. Right. I would assume. So if if I had like a week before the project, I would learn how to model or like enough how to use like SketchUp or something like that to just get a, get it out there to where you could understand it. But yeah, I would just have to, I would have to do it myself just because I don't have the capacity to show someone else in like Ikea fashion, how to build it. So I would have to play my strength of just doing it myself and doing it myself.
2: <laughs> I would I would have the other person build it. And I've actually kind of done something like this before. So it wasn't a stranger. It was my wife. And I, had, <laughs> uh, and I filmed it. I, I haven't edited anything, but I plan to put it up at some point. And basically, I had her build a modern mailbox. And I had built this same mailbox before. So it was already all designed and everything. But I basically just gave her... Um, You know, some drawings kind of explained the different process to make sure she didn't cut a finger off, you know, went over some safety stuff. And literally, it came out every bit as good as if I would have built it myself. (laughs) How'd
0: that make you feel?
2: uh yeah, i cried for a couple hours after. It, just,
1: it, it just validates all those comments where people said well if i had all those tools i could do that too
0: that, yeah. that's real, what it really is i guess
2: it's no. always my wife who leaves that comment too
0: yeah she's a, she's a troll <laughs> yeah. she's just trolling you throughout the day too <laughs> yeah
2: no but seriously yeah it came out just as good now i wouldn't go I, I probably wouldn't have her build like the Bad Larry or something for the weekend project. I would try to come up with a design that doesn't have too many crazy techniques in it. but mm-hmm. I think that I think that you would open up a lot of possibilities um, by doing that and having access to all those tools that you wouldn't. but yeah, to go back to the other point, it would be kind of fun to do the. the so my uh, question
0: is this you you mentioned like not being able to do the Bad Larry, but do you think you could do the Bad Larry with just those tools?
2: Like with just the With drill. a circular
0: saw and a drill. Yeah, like, assuming you can, like, you can, uh, you know... You yeah, make a different counter, version You can countersink it. your screws and then plug them to where it's it still looks good.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think you could definitely do a version of it. You're yeah. going to have to make, make some exceptions. Where would you compromise? Um, so, I guess the first thing would be probably making it... I'd probably make it all out of plywood so that I don't have to worry about yeah. thicknessing material.
0: Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I mean, there's nothing that you really couldn't do. It's just right. a matter of, like, how good are you at working the tool? So, you know, yeah, it's going to be harder to get those nicely cut miters or bevels. But still doable. It's yes. just, you know, how good are you at doing it? So maybe just spending a little bit more time and, like, really inching up on the perfect length rather than trying to nail it on your first shot or whatever. Right on. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, I feel like you could make a, a a pretty decent facsimile of it.:
0: Yeah. Okay, cool.
2: It'd be fun though. maybe we should uh we should do, do that way. one time where we all just have to use use those tools that we mentioned in this and build something and like we'll all put out a project at the same time or something. I'm
0: down with that. That'd be fun.:
2: I'm down. All right, we're doing it.
0: We could do a contest too. <laughs> if you, like give it a two-week time limit to where like listeners can submit, and then we do some kind of prize or something. That would be actually pretty cool.
2: Or yeah. we have all of our listeners pool together money <laughs> until there's a million dollars, and then one of the three <laughs> of us win. wins. Ah, but, like, I like help, that.
0: Do it like a two or three tool challenge or something like that. That could be fun.
2: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's uh, let's we'll think about it, and then we'll that we'll find a time when we can do it. And yeah, and
1: yes, and go ahead and send in uh, your suggestions yeah. as well. To... <laughs>
0: Ooh, that's it. Okay. If you've got ideas, if you're listening, I'm talking to you you guys listening. If you've got ideas on A, like what tools we should be restrained to or what the contest should be restrained to, or like a material constraint as well, like maybe you have to make it from plywood or maybe you have to use uh, something specific, like either DM one of us or, you know, use our contact form or something like that. That could be a fun thing to do. Plus they get everybody involved. Like that can be a lot of fun. Yeah,
2: it'd be cool. All right, should we move on to what we're obsessed with? Yeah. All right. Um, I guess, here, I'll kick it off since I've been going last a lot okay. tonight. So um, in my former life, especially before I had a kid, I was very into video games. But since having a kid, it's, it's tough to really find time to play them. And now he's gotten to the age where he wants to play them. So I get to play sometimes with him, but it's mostly him just like demanding me to do certain things like build a house <laughs> in Minecraft or something. <laughs> Um, but I got a Nintendo switch last week, which is cool because you can kind of take it with you on the go. So I can like play it in bed before I go to sleep and stuff like that. And so I've been playing, um, the new Zelda game, breath of the wild, which I was never like a crazy huge Zelda fan. I I played a couple of the games, but this game's awesome. I don't know if it's just like that. I'm finally able to play video games and like concentrate on something for 45 minutes at a time, but I've been having a a lot of fun with that for sure.
0: Tight. How... Like, is the Nintendo Switch pretty cool? Like, I've seen yeah, stuff I'm, on it, but I've never...
2: It, it is. So, like, I I didn't buy the past, nin, nin, the past two Nintendo systems. I didn't buy the Wii or the Wii U. Because, you know, I thought they were both kind of gimmicky. And yeah. it just, I don't know, it just didn't appeal to me that much. And at that time, I was, like, a lot more into gaming competitively. And so... This one while it's still gimmicky in a way, I feel like it's a gimmick that's actually a benefit the whole time, which is that you can take the system with you anywhere. Yeah, um, I guess
0: that was something I was thinking. Was it seemed a little gimmicky, but I guess if it like pays off then yeah. Yeah, like
2: it. I mean it's not as technically powerful as the other as you know, Xbox 1 and PlayStation 4, right. but it's it's fine because I think Nintendo, they're such good game makers that their games are always going to be good. It's probably going to be the third party stuff that's going to kind of suffer. But (laughs) as long as you're on board with like the Nintendo franchises, there's going to be plenty of good games for it, I think. And honestly, like the, of all the time that I played it, I've probably played it on my TV for like a half hour. The rest of the time it's all been handheld. So I just almost consider it like a really awesome handheld system.
0: Cool. All right. What I have been obsessed with, or at least what I've been experimenting with is I bought a sketchbook I bought some good pens to sketch with. And I also bought another, I bought a second sketchbook. Uh, I'm trying to remember what it's called, but it's something where it's not, uh, it's not necessarily like for design, but it was just kind of something for me to like try and boost my creativity Mm -hmm. was it's a sketchbook that has 300 different, all they are is just like a normal sketchbook, but each page has like a little topic suggestion or like what you should be drawing on that page. So like random things like, uh, like just as a, for instance, like, aliens take over a kindergarten is like all it'll say. <laughs> and then you're just supposed to basically sketch or draw whatever comes to you. So I'm, so what I'm going to do is like every morning, I'm going to set aside a little bit of time to where I can do that and just try, try and get into the habit of like sketching more and like putting down my ideas, you know, pen to paper, at least maybe eventually like model things more. But I guess this is kind of a start to get me on that path. Is just get yeah. my ideas down more than what I normally do. Yeah. So, I
2: think that, um, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about last week when we were if you know if you could be great in a skill and i had mentioned drawing and then we were talking about that um, i think that there can be benefit to sketching even if the drawings themselves are crappy right. because the, you're still having ideas and the idea in your head is probably a lot better than what you're able to translate it to on paper exactly. and you know it still it still gets you further down the road than you might otherwise i don't know about you guys but like i've always been a doodler like if I'm in a meeting listening to something, like I just tend to doodle and I, I find that I just like concentrate more when I'm doodling for some reason.
0: Yeah. I always did that like in class and everything, but I would just like, I would never draw anything. I would just draw like random like shapes and stuff like that. I never actually, I guess that's kind of why I got that one sketchbook is like, I never had like a topic or like a full fledged idea whenever I was doodling. So Mm -hmm. hopefully I'm going to try and like center myself a little more and like try and stay on task with it almost nice yeah
1: and for me i'm currently obsessed with looking at a lot of images of tattoo and line <laughs> art on instagram and pinterest uh, yep. trying to figure out uh, what artists i'm going to use for for my ink work and also just looking at you know exactly what type of line weights and stuff like that i want to use for this sense. right It is going to be permanent you know this is like the one time where i I just can't go fast oh, this looks good okay do it so uh it's now it's like the final part of really thinking like because it's such a big difference whether you know a line isn't a line uh there's so many thicknesses and ways to sort of do it so i've just been uh consuming a lot of image content uh related to tattoo art which has actually been incredible uh uh, some of the things that people do is just just insane, especially with like geometric patterns that look perfect, but they're done over you know the curved, moving surface of someone's skin. Yeah. Uh, so it's an it's an incredible sort of art form, and it's been my sort of uh, internet deep dive wormhole that I've gotten absorbed into.
0: Are you trying to find someone local? Or are you just are you willing to go anywhere if you find the right person? I guess.
1: I'm I'm willing to travel for it. Uh, I'm actually no, looking at doing. How do you do it? <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like a experimentation. Yeah, <laughs> you can, you can well, use you can the doodle on somewhere
0: like maybe maybe Oklahoma City just as a for instance. Just yeah. curious.
1: Well, I, I will be doing a road trip across the country relatively soon, so I might, Ooh, I might do it on there.
2: Yeah, I think what Mike's asking is, how would you like a nice big mural on your back of aliens attacking a kindergarten? Yes.
0: Yeah, exactly. I've I doodled it this morning. So. <laughs> it's perfect. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'll, I'll no wait. Send it Over asap.
2: Ben, do you have other tattoos? No. Oh, so this is your first one? Yep. Yeah, see, I don't yeah. have any, because I've always said, like, I don't, I don't feel like I love anything enough to get yeah. a tattoo, but I know, Mike, you have
0: some, right? I have a couple, yeah, but I don't know. I kind of, I was like, I jumped the gun a little bit. Uh-huh. Like, I was 18, and I'm like, hell yeah, let's get some tattoos.
1: <laughs> let's just get that dolphin on my lower back yeah. and call it a day.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, I, I, I want to get some more. It's just one of those things where it's it's... I don't know. Before, it was like while I was in school, it was like I didn't have money for tattoos if I wanted them. But I guess now I could get one if I wanted It just – the inspiration hasn't really struck me for one. So – and I don't want to like force well, it, you know? Modern,
1: modern Maker Podcast logo. Hello. <laughs> just
2: just get a big YouTube play button on your forehead.
0: Right. Oh, <laughs>
1: well, On that note.
0: <laughs> yeah. Let's wrap this up. This is, get, this is digressing so quickly. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Ben, do it this time. You got the outro.
1: All right. So again, one of our goals for this podcast is to really get the you, the listeners, involved. So please send us your credit card information, home addresses, <laughs> social security numbers. No, just kidding. Uh, send us your questions. Uh, we yep. we and, and feedback as well. Please leave reviews for us. Uh, uh, I guarantee you, if if you ask a question as a review on iTunes, I will answer it. <laughs> we we need those reviews uh we're excited about this podcast we've had a great response so far so thank you so much to all of you that have downloaded listened and or shared it that is awesome it's we're we're definitely blown away uh we weren't expecting this kind of response particularly because we haven't had a chance to sort of plug this on our our youtube channels yet um so thank you um so If you have questions, either go to iTunes and ask them in the review, send us a DM, or go to our website. Mike, what's the URL?
0: www. – oh, man. I don't know if if it has this V at the beginning or not. I think it's just modernmakerpodcast.com. There's no V. Okay. Oh, but you know something. I did figure out is I figured out how people can submit voice, like or like voice memo questions. What is this the future? Yeah, Yeah, it is here and now. Well, it it will be when people listen. It'll be Thursday. Oh wow, Uh, (laughs) that's true. Okay, so the the quick little piece of it. I'm just gonna give you a the quick instructions here, at least for like iPhones. I don't know about you know an Android device. I'm sure it's something really similar though. So if you go to your voice memo app. And you just record a voice memo. You have the option to share. It'll be just a little tab in like the bottom left or the bottom right corner. So you'll click that, and then you can share it either through you know text message, social media apps. But you can choose uh, email. And if your email is connected to your phone, which it should be, um, you can just send it through email. And you'll send it to you know you'll send it to modernmakerpodcast at gmail.com. That'll that'll put it in our inbox. And we'll see it and we'll play it back so long as it's a, a good message and relates to the to the podcast in some way.
1: And it's only mildly full of profanity.
0: Right. So <laughs>
2: yeah. let's just make step one to that whole thing. Go to the Apple store, buy an iPhone, yeah. and then there you go from there.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Easy.
2: <laughs> by the way, this podcast is sponsored by Apple. No. <laughs> no. Right. Just joking. It's not.
0: Yeah, it's not. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and I guess I'll, I'll wrap up the rest of this. Uh, send us a review. Send us a rating. Don't forget to subscribe if you're not already, as well as just subscribe to us individually. If, if you're listening to the podcast and you didn't know all three of us on an individual level, maybe you came from Chris, maybe you came from Ben, maybe you came from me, uh, check out the rest of us on YouTube, of course, but maybe on other social medias. Chris, where are you?
2: The best way to find me is to go to foureyesfurniture.com and from there, there'll be links to my YouTube, to my Instagram. Uh, those are probably the two main places. I, I have the other ones, but I don't check them as often. Um, so, yeah, those are the best two places to find and
0: me. And then second question, yeah. what video should they watch first?
2: I would say start off with that bench video. Just joking. No, we talked about that last <laughs> week. <laughs> no. I, I think Bad Larry is a good place to start. That's the uh, trapezoidal looking one or maybe the Xbox one. Whatever looks cool to you, whatever looks cool in the thumbnail,
0: start there. All right, same thing, Ben. Where where are they going to find you and what should they watch first?
1: Uh, just go to homemade-modern.com. That's the website. All the links to my social media are on there. And if you're going to watch something first, I would watch the a recent video, the zigzag sofa. Ooh, it's a relative a it's a relatively easy project. Um, it's really useful. It's modern. It has dual functions and you can make it with a circular saw, a drill, and a sander.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Step you already, yeah, you already did the the two three two challenge. So <laughs> and your sister
2: intrigued. did it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Okay. Um, and then I am at Modern Builds on Instagram. Find me on YouTube. Google just Google Modern Builds. And then my video I would suggest, which is a relatively recent one as well, is I made the title of it is called DIY Mid Century Modern Sliding Barn Door. I think it came out really cool. Plus, uh, I, I wish it got more views than it did. So let's, let's bump it over 100,000 <laughs> views. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, I hope you're enjoying it. Don't forget to shoot us any questions, comments, or topic suggestions. And we'll see you next week on the Modern Maker Podcast. See you.
1: Later. Later. Bye.